Today on The Exam Room. Just based off of what it was that we learned over the last 12 months, how much would you say we actually do control our own health destinies? That is such an important question. And as we dig into the research, we're going to see that often people lose hope and they think, well, if it's in my genes, what's the point of even trying to make a difference, right? And as we're going to see in this research, diet is more important than genetics in a lot of cases. It just goes back to the good old quote that says, genetics loads the gun and diet pulls the trigger. Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll, raising health IQs coast to coast and around the world in great cities like Fort Collins, Colorado, St. Petersburg, Florida, and Manchester in the UK. Wherever you are, we appreciate you helping to make the world a healthier place. This is episode nine of season seven, number 508 overall. And today, the biggest findings in nutrition from 2023 will come under the microscope. Studies that show how to overcome the obesity gene. Also, we have studies on twins and reversing diabetes, plant-based pregnancy, and so much more. Because 2023 was a year of major breakthroughs and advancements in the prevention, treatment, and yes, reversal of many of these common chronic diseases that are driving up healthcare costs while also driving down the quality of life for millions of ourselves and our loved ones. And researchers now, they're also able to say that eating a healthy diet can have a double positive effect because it can reduce overall spending on food and your healthcare costs. So you know how they say more money, more problems? No, no, my friends. Here it is more money, less problems. And with these incredible medical financial findings is Dr. Roxy Becker. She is a brand new colleague of mine at the Physicians Committee who is making her exam room debut today. And together we will be getting into no less than 10 studies that were a cut above in 2023. But before we get into the research, I sent out an email to exam room VIPs about this. And if you have not yet gotten your tickets for our big show on March 26th in Washington, D.C., now is the time because exam room VIPs, you guys get first dibs at reserving seats for the Power Foods Revolution with myself and Dr. Neil Barnard, Chef Dustin Harder, and Stephanie Ignafo from Plantspiration. We are all getting together record an episode of the podcast to celebrate the release of Dr. Barnard's new book, The Power Foods Diet, which comes out that same day. And get this, everyone who has a ticket gets a copy of the book. It's included and it's all going down at the National Press Club. Now that is the same place where we had that big monster, amazing episode with the Esselstyn family back in November. So we are going to run it back for the Power Foods Revolution. Now we sold out that night with the Esselstyns and now exam room VIPs have the first chance to secure tickets through an exclusive pre-sale ticket opportunity now through January 18th. 
and it is absolutely free to become VIP. Just head over to pcrm.org slash exam room VIP right now to sign up. And if you are already VIP, well, there's a link in the episode notes for you to get your tickets this minute. So don't you dare wait. Click on that link and we hope to see you March 26th at the National Press Club for the Power Foods Revolution and the Exam Room Podcast. Let's do this thing together. It's going to be an epic, epic night. Now, let's get into the biggest epic nutrition studies of 2023. Dr. Roxy Becker making her debut here on The Exam Room as we take our health IQs to the next level. Doc Rox, welcome to The Exam Room. Thank you so much, Chuck. Excited to be here. I am really excited about everything that we learned in 2023 in terms of research. And we heard a lot about lifestyle and genetics and what that means in terms of our health. Just based off of what it was that we learned over the last 12 months, how much would you say we actually do control our own health destinies? That is such an important question. And as we dig into the research, we're going to see that often people lose hope and they think, well, if it's in my genes, what's the point of even trying to make a difference, right? And as we're going to see in this research, diet is more important than genetics in a lot of cases. And it just goes back to the good old quote that says, genetics loads the gun and diet pulls the trigger. So excited to get into these studies with you. Well, let's start with what was one of the most talked about studies of the year, the twin study. You've got somebody who went on a plant-based diet and the identical twin continued on eating the way that they were. What did we learn from this research? Uh, As you said, I think it's the most popular study out of 2023. There's even a Netflix documentary on it, if anyone wants to watch that. And this was really incredible because the researchers took 22 pairs of identical twins. So these are the exact same genetics, exact same DNA. And one twin followed a plant-based diet for eight weeks, and one twin followed an omnivorous diet for eight weeks, and the researchers followed them up. And it truly is incredible. The vegans ate more carbohydrates, um, a lot more food. They were encouraged to eat more fruit so that they weren't under eating, um, which is just, you know, a testament to a plant-based diet. You can eat as much as you want because these foods are so much healthier, so much, so much higher in nutrients and lower in calories. And at the end of the eight weeks, they found that the twin following the vegan diet lost more weight had greater improvements in LDL cholesterol or bad cholesterol. And they found this just in four weeks, as well as at the end of the eight-week study. And what's also interesting is that the vegans had lower TMAO. Now, this is a compound that is produced in our gut. Uh, When you eat foods that are high in the amino acids, carnitine and choline, which are much higher in animal products, your bacteria convert these amino acids and produce TMAO. And we found that when people have higher levels of TMAO, they're at a higher risk of developing heart disease. So we're looking at very short-term results here, only eight weeks. But if you think of these people following this diet for a much longer period of time, they are going to significantly reduce their risk of heart disease and all of these other chronic diseases that we see. And so it's just really incredible that two people with an identical set of genes and DNA ate different diets and had different outcomes. And the plant-based diet led to healthier outcomes. 
How unhealthy were these twins when this study began? Were they a lot of us who had fallen prey to the common ailments that plague the standard American diet, our lifestyle here in this country and in a lot of countries around the world? Or would you say that at first glance, a lot of these twins would be, quote unquote, healthy? So the average age age was around 40 years old. Um, They were more or less healthy. And, but they did follow the, the standard American diet. And so, you know, even though they were healthy at the start of the study, this diet was going to have long-term implications. And even in the twins who ate the omnivorous diet, when they joined the study, their diet was a lot healthier than before. Um, researchers emphasized healthy foods and limiting refined carbohydrates. And so the omnivorous group also saw some health benefits, but the twins that followed the plant-based diet saw even more benefits, which is pretty incredible. All right. I would love to spend more time on this, but we have to kind of move rapid fire because there's a lot of research that we're getting into today. Let's put a pin on that, but definitely I would love to bring you back at some point to talk more about the study in particular. But let's shift to another big topic. You know, I used to think that I was the man who had not one, not two, not three, or even four, but five, five obesity genes that were all working to conspire against me. And that's what got me up to 420 pounds. I'm sure that there are a lot of people out there struggling with their weight who kind of feel the same way. But researchers last year were also able to look at the obesity gene, quote unquote. What did they discover? Absolutely. And I still hear that to this day. When people are struggling with their weight, they say, I'm just big boned or my parents were obese and I'm obese and it just runs in the family. And, you know, as we've researched obesity, it largely is diet related. There are medical conditions um, that are linked to obesity, like hypothyroidism and PCOS. And I know you've spoken about food addiction as well, which is important. But as research has gone on, we found that there are a lot of genes that are associated with the risk of obesity. So this was a massive study done in Korea, over 50,000 people. And they looked at 14 different genetic variants that were associated with the risk of obesity. And they divided these people into three groups, those who had a low genetic risk, a medium, and a high genetic risk for obesity. And then they looked at their diets. And researchers found that plant-based diets, now these were not necessarily fully vegan diets, but people who ate more plant-based whole foods had the lowest body fat, and the least propensity to develop diabetes and um, to develop obesity. And this risk or the, the lower risk of obesity was even more pronounced in those who had a higher genetic risk for obesity. And they also looked at high protein diets because that's a hot topic at the moment. Everyone's on low carbohydrate, high protein diets to try to lose weight. Um, but the plant-based diets outperformed them by far. And so again, it just goes to show our diet is so important. Um, You know, your genes do play a risk, but what you do with your life and what's on your plate is even more important. All right. Again, I got to go back and let's ask a a quick question about these studies. So when they're looking at the high protein diet, I'm assuming that this protein was coming almost exclusively from uh, animal-based sources, whether it be dairy or meat. Would I be correct in assuming that? Absolutely. And then in terms of the carbohydrates, I'm wondering, were they able to break that down a little bit more and delineate the 
complex carbohydrates that you find in these whole plant foods that we talk a lot about here on the show? Or did they lump them together with the same kind of simple carbohydrates that you would find in, say, a croissant? <laughs> Great question. Um, this research didn't separate the groups and look at the risk of refined carbohydrates versus plant-based whole food carbohydrates, although a lot of the foods that they included in these plant-based foods were plant-based whole foods. But if we look at the totality of the other research that we have, we do see that when people eat more refined carbohydrates, all of the cakes and cookies and croissants, as you said, people... Um, tend to become more overweight and obese. And when people eat more plant-based carbohydrates, which are different because they're filled with fiber and other micronutrients, we see that people tend to lose weight. Even if they're eating all the carbohydrates they want, as long as it's coming from whole foods, the risk of obesity and becoming overweight goes down. All right, so brass tax me here. If your entire family is overweight, that does not necessarily mean that you have to be overweight as well. I would assume that that is going to be really big welcome news for a lot of people. That's the message here. That's the key takeaway, correct? Absolutely. From both of these studies, we can really see that diet is more important than genetics. Just because your whole family is overweight doesn't mean that that is your future as well. All right, so that's the obesity gene, but then let's talk about another risk that we were able to identify in 2023, and that is if you're in a committed relationship, you're married, you're living with your partner, whatever the case may be, true or false, researchers have found that if one partner is unhealthy and perhaps struggling with hypertension, the other partner likely is at a higher risk as well. But on... So we've looked at the twin study and these, this other obesity study, and we found that those who have the same genetics and have different diets have different outcomes. So this study flips it almost in the reverse. So now we're looking at people who have different genetics and a similar diet and lifestyle, and researchers found that they had similar outcomes. So this looked at thousands of husband and wife pairs across the US, the UK, China, and India, and despite having different genetics, unless perhaps they married their cousin, um, despite having different genetics, when one spouse had hypertension or high blood pressure, their other spouse was more likely to have high blood pressure as well. And we see that we adopt similar health behaviors to the people that we spend time with. So when you're in a committed relationship, when you're married, you're eating the same food most days, you're going to the same restaurant, maybe one person's cooking the whole time or you're cooking together, people tend to eat the same food. And although they didn't examine their diets in the study, I think it is very, very plausible to say that these couples were eating very similar foods. So different genetics, same diets, similar outcomes. So what can a person do if they're living with their significant other, they love them more than life itself, but they want to invest in their own health, even if that significant other isn't ready to make the changes then to uh, improve their own health as well? What kind of recommendations would you make to somebody who you're working with to coach them up on a healthier path? That's a great question. And I think a lot of people struggle with this when one person finds out about the benefits of a plant-based diet and they're ready to jump all in and their spouse is a little more hesitant. I think the most important thing, and this is with your spouse, it's with other people in your family, is to lead by example. When you start following a plant-based diet and you see the health effects and you start to lose weight and improve your health, 
other people are going to look to you and think, what are you doing differently? Because you're not the same person you were a couple of years ago. And when people see that someone is succeeding on a different diet, they will be more likely to try it. So when you're at home, sure, sometimes you may have to cook slightly different meals at the start, but start incorporating more of these plant-based foods at home. And this food is delicious. And when you lead by example and you make this food available to your spouse, they will eat it. And I have no doubt that they will they will start to adopt more of a plant-based diet with you. All right. And there are links to all three of those studies right now for you in the show description or in the episode notes. There's also going to be links to literally every study that we talk about here on the show down below as well. So let's shift gears. We talked lifestyle and genetics. But the other one that I think that people really, their ears perked up for in 2023 was all of this groundbreaking research, Dr. Becker, that came out that showed that the myth of eating a plant-based diet means you're breaking the bank. And in fact, when researchers really dug in and did a cost analysis, they found that there is significant savings on multiple levels in terms of how healthy a person's diet is. Let's start with the vegan diet food cost uh, here in um, in this 2023 research extravaganza, as I like to call it. What What is one of the studies that you really kind of sat up and were like, hey, see, I'm not crazy. I will be able to retire and eat a healthy diet. What's one of the big studies that you keyed in on last year? Well, I think the most important study is the one that the Physicians Committee published themselves. Dr. Hannah Kaliova and her team published this research this year. And the, one of the reasons why I think this is so important right now is we're in January, right? People are working on their New Year's resolution. Some people are trying to be January for the first time. And one of the commonest questions I get asked are, listen, health benefits sound great, but let's be honest, healthy food is expensive. How much is this going to cost me? And we tend to look at short-term costs. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I was in my 20s, the topic of how much is a triple bypass going to cost me in 30 years' time not the usual dinner conversation. So people want to know right now, how much is this going to cost? And with inflation and the high cost of living, people are trying to cut costs anywhere that they can. So the great news is that if you move to a low-fat plant-based diet, you can save money both today and as you mentioned earlier in the introduction, you can save money down the line as well. So Dr. Kaliova's study, I know she's done an episode here with you. So if people want all the details and the nitty gritty, they can go ahead and watch that. But her study found that when people ate a low-fat plant-based diet, their food costs decreased by 16% compared to their standard diet. And this amounts to a savings of more than $500 per year. Now, I don't know about you, Chuck, but there's a lot that I could do with $500. And if I can save that just by making small changes every day, you can invest that in a weekend away or a gym membership. There's so much you can do with $500. So this really is incredible. Oh, absolutely. That'll definitely cover a bill or two. I, I get more excited <laughs> about the idea of socking that $500 away, investing it and watching it grow over time so that when it's time to uh, put my feet up and relax on the beach for a little while, that money's certainly there uh, and has not been invested in another trip to the drive-through. Uh, very cool. But it wasn't just our research at the Physicians Committee that showed something like this. Let's take a look at maybe some of the data that came out outside of our walls. What else did we learn last year? 
Right. So this study is actually from 2024. So I might be cheating here a little bit, but I hope that's okay because I think early 2024. Don't worry about it. Late 23. We're grouping it all together. (laughs) But this was an analysis and the actual study was published in 2023. So we'll look at some of those findings when we go into the diabetes research. But what they did was participants followed three different diets. Their standard diet, the DASH diet, which is healthier than the standard American diet. It includes more whole foods, but it also includes dairy and eggs and white meat, such as chicken and fish. And the third diet was a plant-based vegan diet. And what they found was when these people followed their standard diet, it cost them an average of $15.72 per day. When they followed the DASH diet, so slightly healthier, took out some of the processed red meats, these food costs dropped to $12.74 per day. What about the vegan diet? This dropped average daily food costs to just $9.78 per day, which was almost 40% less than their usual diet. Now, people may be thinking, it's $6. That's just a coffee. That's maybe not that much to save in a day. But if you take those $6 and you times it by 365 days, if this is your daily diet, you can save over $2,000 per year, which again is absolutely incredible. And it's also saving you money in the future. In the study, we found it improved people's health. So in 10, 20, 30 years time, they'll be spending less money on healthcare, less missed work, less unpaid time off work. And so... Amazing savings, short-term and long-term. I am just so excited that what we've been saying for years is finally has some research behind it. That's huge. As a matter of fact, I crunched that. So six times 365 is $2,190. You think long-term on that, over the course of a decade, that's 21000 Two decades, you're in the $40,000 range. And again, if you think about taking that money and investing it, Imagine having $40,000 that you can invest and how that money can grow over time. That is going to set you up for success. I'm not trying to turn this into a financial health show by any stretch (laughs) of the imagination, Dr. Becker, but man, that gets me all kinds of fired up. Plus the fact that I would imagine you're also going to be saving on those medical costs as well. So we're just talking about base savings here, uh, not just the food cost itself. So uh, when you figure all of that in, I mean, really, you're talking about turning health into wealth here, right? Absolutely. Health is our our most important, um, you know, you can have all the money in the world. If you don't have your health, you've got nothing. So the fact that we're able to improve our health and our wealth, absolutely fantastic. And I think some people may be thinking, you know, well, vegan cheeses, they're so expensive. What about all of these plant-based meats? They're so expensive. And so another important thing is when we're looking at these food costs, we really are talking about when people follow a whole food, plant-based diet, they're eating more healthy foods. Let me give you a practical example. I don't know if everyone is as excited about finance as you are, although it's very exciting to see how excited you're getting. Um, But a practical example, I went to Whole Foods two days ago and I was looking at the vegan pizzas, right? Different brands, different prices, but on average, it costs around $10 for a pizza. Now. Don't know about you, but I can eat that in one sitting. That is just one serving. So instead, I took that. I think most people could, right? Um, (laughs) No doubt about it. No doubt. (laughs) The serving sizes are lies. That pizza is not going to last you four servings. It's just one. Um, Just being honest here, Chuck. But 
I took the, those $10 and I went to the the produce section, right? And I got a bunch of kale for $3. I got some butternut for $4. I got a ton of butter beans for $2. And I got a big raw beetroot for a couple of cents. They're so cheap. And I made a big kale salad with roasted butternut and beetroot and some whole grains that I added as well. And that has given me five servings. So we've gone from $10 pizza, one serving, to now only $2 per serving. So practically, when you're shopping for these vegan foods, make sure you're getting whole grains, beans, fruits, and vegetables. And that's where a lot of the savings comes in. And that's what's going to improve your health as well. And I'd also like to point out, I'd be surprised if you were able to turn what you bought into a pizza, but you can buy the <laughs> whole food pizza ingredients, make it yourself. Yeah, it takes a little bit more time in the kitchen and by a little, I mean, it's going to be a significant investment in your time, but you can still do it and you could probably still churn out maybe four or five pizzas for that same $10 if you buy your ingredients in bulk and, and just go to town and be happy and fat and sassy. And I mean fat in a good way. Um, so let's uh, move on here. Let's talk about diabetes, right? This is uh, something that there always seems to be a lot of research surrounding diabetes, and perhaps it's because it affects so many people. Um, but when we're talking about diabetes in 2023, uh, we have proven uh, that it's not just about insulin, it's not just about medication, but it is in fact 100% uh, also, it can be, I should say, about what it is that you eat specifically with type two diabetes sufferers. And there's a lot of information, Dr. Becker, uh, out there about what a person with diabetes should be eating and versus what they shouldn't be eating. But researchers were really able to narrow the scope here last year. What did we learn in 2023 in terms of how a diet can really prevent, and in a lot of cases, even reverse this insidious disease? Great question. And I think a lot of doctors who have been recommending a plant-based diet for many years have seen such dramatic improvements, have seen people go into remission with their type 2 diabetes. And so it's very exciting to have published research on this topic as well. So one of the studies that I want to mention here is an interventional case series. So there was a wellness clinic and over a couple of years, they took the people who were visiting them who all had type 2 diabetes and a lot of other health conditions as well. They had high blood pressure. Some of them had complications from their diabetes. This was quite a sick group of people. And they put them on a low-fat, plant-predominant diet and they followed them up. And the average BMI dropped from 32.7 to 30.1, which is a dramatic drop just by changing your diet. If we look at their blood sugar control, your A1C is a blood test that measures your average blood sugar control for the past three months. Uh, ideally, we want this less than 5.7. That's considered normal. More than 6.5% is when we consider it to be type 2 diabetes. And the average A1C dropped from 7.3 in the diabetes range to being 6%, which is almost normal. Um, their fasting blood sugars dropped as well from 138 in the morning to 108 and below 100 is normal. So again, their blood sugars were almost completely normalized just by changing their diet. And 46% of them, Chuck, were able to discontinue all of their medication. Now, to me, that is just absolutely remarkable. And I think unless you have type 2 diabetes or you have personal experience with type 2 diabetes, be that through family members or healthcare experience, I don't think you fully understand how much it affects a person's life. 
Yes, there are all of the long-term complications of a heart attack and losing your leg and your eyesight, and these are very scary complications, but type 2 diabetes affects people every single day. When you wake up in the morning, you have to check your blood sugar, inject your insulin. Uh, You have to make sure you eat in time, otherwise that insulin is going to completely plummet your blood sugars and you can end up unconscious on the floor. It can be very stressful. Then say you go out to lunch, which you hadn't planned with your friends, you're in a busy restaurant, um, and now you have to check your blood sugar again and inject your insulin again because some people inject insulin three times a day. But now you're in a busy restaurant. What do you do? You have to go to a public bathroom. You have to inject your insulin there. Um, Maybe you're concerned that if someone sees you're injecting yourself in a public bathroom, they can think you're a drug user. There's still a lot of stigma around it, even though they really shouldn't be. And now you go back home, you've made it through the day and you check your blood sugar at night and it's low, right? No problem. Drink some fruit juice. It comes back up. But now you're sitting in bed and you're stressing. What happens if my blood sugar drops too low at night and I don't wake up to drink the fruit juice? What if I go from being asleep to a low blood sugar to unconscious and never wake up again? And these are some of the fears that people face every day with type 2 diabetes. Um, And this was quite a dramatic, depressing monologue. I'm not trying to scare people. What I really want people to take away from this study and from this podcast today is that there is hope. The fact that we can take someone with type 2 diabetes, get rid of all their medication, reduce their insulin is absolutely remarkable. The fact that this is a disease, which less than 10 years ago I was being taught in medical school, is absolutely irreversible. We just increased medication until the day a person dies. Now we're seeing that we can reverse this and get people off their medication. I mean, we should just be screaming this from the rooftop. So I really want people to take away that there is hope. Even if you have been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, there is still so much that you can do. And it all starts with what's on your plate. And let's talk about the average age of the participant in this study. What was that? Right. I think when people think about type 2 diabetes and reversing the disease or making health improvements, they think, oh, these must be young people, you know, who haven't had diabetes for a long time. The average age in the study was 71 years old. Ooh, so you say can that again. Still say make- it again. <laughs> 71 years old. Chuck, it is never too late to improve mm. your health. I love that so much. And you know what? I I love another study. Dr. Barnard and I had the opportunity to talk a little bit about this next study on the show last year as well. A lot of people, when they are diagnosed with high blood pressure for the first time and diabetes, uh, they turn to the DASH diet. But this particular study took a closer look at the DASH diet and kind of put it head to head with a whole food plant-based diet. What did researchers find there? So this was a fantastic study. It was a crossover trial. So these participants followed three different diets. And this is the study that we're talking about earlier with the food costs. So people followed their usual diet for seven days, the DASH diet for seven days, which we mentioned earlier still includes dairy and some white meat, then a whole food plant-based diet for seven days, and then went back to the DASH diet. And what they found was after just a week of changing their diet to the DASH diet, eating a few more whole foods, improving their diet quality, they needed less insulin. Their fasting blood sugars improved. Their insulin sensitivity improved. But then they moved to the whole food plant-based diet and they saw even more improvements. But then when they went back to the DASH diet, 
their fasting blood sugar and their insulin sensitivity got worse again. Not quite as bad as at the beginning of the study, but it started to trend towards that direction. For example, at the end of the first week of the DASH diet, their, the amount of insulin that these people needed, they were all dependent on insulin, had dropped by 24%. At the end of the whole food plant-based diet, it had dropped by 39%. We're talking about almost half of the insulin that they needed. And then when they went back to the DASH diet, it, incre it increased by 15% again. And again, when we're talking about dietary changes, I think a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to have to follow this diet for you know, a couple of months, couple of years to see improvements. This was in just seven days. Give us an idea of some of the things that participants were eating or somebody might eat on the DASH diet that they wouldn't necessarily include in the whole food plant-based diet. Absolutely. So the DASH diet still includes dairy. So plant-based diet, you might have a bean burrito. In the DASH diet, you're including a bunch of cheese with that. Uh, plant-based diet, your main source of protein for a meal may be beans or tofu. The DASH diet, it is a chicken breast or a piece of fish. And so although it's still healthier than the standard American diet, I think another key takeaway from the study is that even a small amount of animal products, what we think of as healthy animal products, we're not talking about red and processed meat here, we're talking about chicken and fish, food that people think are healthy for them. Even just by including these foods for seven days, we can see that it can negatively affect blood sugar control in people with diabetes. So even small amounts of animal products do make a difference. All right, really quickly, before we move on to pregnancy uh, and diet, I wanted to ask you about an interesting study that came out last year in Japan that took a look at diabetic retinopathy. What did researchers find there? And actually, you know what, before we even get to that, let's define what diabetic re what is uh, retinopathy diabetic? is for those who aren't familiar. Absolutely. So diabetic retinopathy is a complication of diabetes. It's when diabetes affects the eyes. So uh, when you have diabetes for a long time, you have these chronically high blood sugars and they start to damage the small blood vessels in the back of the eye. And so the result of this is that people start to lose their eyesight, which is pretty scary. And this study looked at people with diabetes and it found that those who ate the highest amount of fat, particularly saturated fat, which comes from animal products and processed foods, were more than twice as likely to develop this complication of diabetic retinopathy, almost three times as likely. Um, and when they looked at other sources of fat, poly and monounsaturated fats, which are predominantly found in plant-based foods, like your nuts and your seeds, these plant-based fats did not increase the risk. It was the saturated fat from animal products, processed foods, and tropical oils. That is the fat that increased their risk. So. Again, I think two of the, the key takeaways from this is that your diet quality matters, the type of fat that you eat matters, and also it's not too, too late to change your diet. Even if you have diabetes, you can still prevent complications by improving the quality of your diet and by eating more plant-based foods. I love the it's never too late, uh, never too late lane uh, line. Boy, I'm just having a hard time talking today. <laughs> it's never too late line that, uh, you know, seems to embody so many of these studies that we've been talking about. But let's shift from never too late to early in life and bring it home in talking about pregnancy and the benefits and the importance of eating a healthy diet for a mother to be. Because there was a lot of really phenomenal groundbreaking research that came out in 2020 
2023 as well. Specifically, uh, people a lot smarter than I did wanted to look at the effect that a high fiber diet has on the health of the child development during pregnancy. What did researchers find there, Dr. Becker? That's a great question. We've spoken about it's never too late, but now it's never too early. And when we think about the health of our children, we're often thinking about what they're eating and doing in childhood and when they're teenagers. Um, but what a woman eats when she's pregnant can affect the health of her unborn child. Um, so this research looked at over 76,000 pregnant women, and they found that those who ate the least dietary fiber during their pregnancy, this was associated with a 51% increased risk of delayed communication in their children, a 45% increased risk of delayed fine motor skills, things like writing, as well as delayed development in problem solving and in social skills. Um, and, you know, I don't think it's necessarily just the dietary fiber. I think that gives us a picture of what their overall diet quality was, because where do we get dietary fiber? It's only found in plant foods. It's found in your whole grains, your fruits, vegetables, even nuts have fiber. Do you know where it's not found? Animal products. All of your processed fruits have very, very low amounts of fiber. Animal products have no fiber. And so those who were eating more fiber were eating more plant-based foods, getting a lot of nutrients from all of these wonderful fruits and vegetables and grains. And so I think it's just really scary that, you know, you can make the changes you want when you're older, but what your mother does when she's pregnant with you can also affect your health. And we do need more studies on this topic, but I think that it is just so incredible that the power of your nutrition today is going to affect your, your children. So I think it's just an important reminder that when you're pregnant, you have to be as healthy as possible. Eat more fiber, eat more plant foods. That said, I don't think it's a wise idea for me to pick up the phone and call up mom and start reading her the right app for some of the decisions she may have made 41 years ago because we just didn't know. Um, so be kind to your mom, would you? Um, listen, uh, let me also ask you this. I mean, I'm not sure that it's possible to answer this question, but if it's just a matter of getting more fiber here, could you eat a baked potato, a big salad, asparagus, and some other plant foods and offset the potentially harmful effects that would come with a steak that you might eat with that? Just cram that fiber in there? Would the person still see the same benefit? Or was that something that we weren't able to glean from this particular study? That is such a great question. From this study, we can't conclusively say that. But from other research, we have found that even in the context of a healthy overall diet, when people are still eating lots of fiber, lots of plant foods, their health outcomes still aren't as good when they are including meat in their diet. So great idea. If you're having a steak, have it with the veggies and the salads and try to be as healthy as possible. But there are still things in the meat that are going to worsen your health, like the saturated fat and the heme iron. Um, and so it doesn't completely offset your risk. And so what you really want to do is focus on eating as many plant foods as possible and eliminating the meat. And let's kind of wrap it up with this, talking about eating meat. There was another study that did look specifically at gestational diabetes and the amount of animal protein women were consuming during pregnancy. What did researchers find there? So gestational diabetes, we've spoken a lot about type 2 diabetes, but gestational diabetes is diabetes that develops during pregnancy. 
And it is so important because it increases the risk to the mother. And she also has an increased risk of developing type 2 diabetes later on in life. But it's also dangerous for the child, for the baby. They Babies born to mothers with gestational diabetes tend to have higher birth weights. They tend to have low blood sugars after they, they're born. So they often need to be monitored after being born. And gestational diabetes increases the risk of uh, birth complications. And so we're not just talking about blood sugars here. We're talking about the overall health of a mother and her child. And this study looked at over a thousand pregnant women and found that those who ate the most animal protein were almost three times more likely to develop gestational diabetes than those who ate the least. But on the contrary, if we flip it around, the women who ate the most plant protein, your beans, tofus, nuts, uh, were less than half as likely to develop gestational diabetes. Um, so protein's important, but your protein quality and your protein sources are even more important. Exciting year in research here in 2023. Again, there are links to all of the studies we talked about on today's show down in the show description and in the episode notes. What are you looking for in 2024, Dr. Becker? What do you want to see? Because we covered a lot of ground today, and I'm telling you, there's so much more research that uh, has been done that we didn't even get to scratch the surface for. I'm excited about what's to come this year. What are you looking for in particular? I think it would be great to have more research on diet and mood. We do have quite a fair amount of research that has found that as your diet quality is worse, when you eat more refined carbohydrates and processed foods, you tend to be at a higher risk of developing mental health illnesses like depression and anxiety. But I think if we could have some high quality randomized control trials looking at a plant-based diet and depression, I think that is something that I would be very, very excited to see. And I also think more research on food addiction is, is needed. You know, no one's driving in the middle of the freezing cold night to go and get broccoli at a drive-thru, but you would do that for a burger and some fries. Um, but I think food addiction isn't as well understood as we would like it to be. So if we can focus on mental health and food addiction, I think that would be absolutely fantastic. 100%. What would you like to see, Chuck? I love the food addiction stuff. That's so near and dear <laughs> to my heart. I can tell you, you are spot on. You're not getting me to go out in a snowstorm for some friggin' broccoli, but you would definitely get me to go right. through uh, the drive-through in any kind of weather for my my fix, as I like to say. Um, let's end with this question, Dr. Becker. Uh, who the heck are you? You're making your debut today. People are like, I just can't place her accent. It's lovely, but is she British? Is she Australian? Who is Dr. Roxy Becker? So introduce yourself a little bit belatedly to the audience. Who are you? What brought you here? Give us the quick bio. Right. I love it. I think I get an Australian accent more than anything. But my home country is South Africa, right at the tip of Africa. And I have only been in Washington, D.C. now for about three months. And I have joined the Physicians Committee team as a medical editor and educator. I'm involved in research. You'll see me on social media. Lots of exciting uh, projects that I'm involved in. But I, I got here. Um, I started, I made the decision to follow a plant-based diet almost 11 years ago now. It's going to be on the 18th of February this year. It's going to be 11 years. But my plant-based journey really started back when I was six years old. 
And I must just say, my parents gave me an incredible foundation in health. I grew up eating a lot of fruits and vegetables and healthy foods. But when I was six years old, I lived on a farm in South Africa. And I had a chicken called Emily, and she would sleep in my bed under my blankets with me. She knew her name. She would come running when I called her. And Chuck, I also had a cow called Emily, and I also had an ostrich called, or leave you in suspense, it was Emily. <laughs> so not um, the most creative. Were, were they at least Emily one, two, and three? How in the world were they able to distinguish themselves when you would call the names? They would all come running at the same time. So thank goodness I chose medicine and not a creative career, right? Because <laughs> I needed some help. <laughs> but from a very early age, from six years old, I was able to form emotional connections with these animals. I saw that they all had different personalities. I saw that they were all completely different. And uh, fast forward to when I was in medical school, I watched a documentary and I started looking into farm animals and slaughterhouses. And I finally made that connection that, hold on, my chicken burger is Emily. And my spaghetti bolognese is Emily. And once I made that connection, I went cold turkey, if I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> and I never looked back. But then I was in a little bit of a confusing position because on one hand, I'm in medical school. I'm learning, here are all the diseases you're going to see. Here are all the medications you're going to use to treat the disease. Here are all the medications you're going to use to treat the side effects of the other medications you gave to the patient. And it just snowballed like that. But then on the other hand, I was doing all of this research by myself. And I was finding that diet is so important. Plant-based diets can prevent these diseases that I was seeing in the hospital every day. Plant-based diets, as we've seen today, can help to reverse some of these diseases. And I just thought to myself, if diet is so powerful, why am I not being taught this in medical school? So I jumped, I packed my bags, I jumped on two flights. 26 hours later, I landed in Washington, D.C. as a student. And back before the pandemic, uh, the Barnard Medical Center, which is part of the Physicians Committee, had an incredible student elective program. And I spent four weeks shadowing Dr. James Loomis, who I believe has been on this podcast as well. And I saw people, you've, you've interviewed him, I'm sure, many That's times. My buddy. That's <laughs> my buddy, Dr. Jim. Absolutely. <laughs> So he was my mentor and I shattered him for four weeks and I learned so much from him. I saw people losing 100 pounds. I saw people coming off their medications, reversing skin diseases like psoriasis. Um, and so that changed my life. It changed the course of my career. I went back to South Africa, practiced as a doctor for a couple of years. But now I am here trying to make as big of an impact to promoting a plant-based diet as possible. Um, but the Physicians Committee was incredible. The Barnard Medical Center was incredible. And Dr. James Loomis was incredible and changed my career. And so that's how I ended up chatting here to you today, Chuck. Hopefully the, I'll keep my accent. The <laughs> long, oh, I'm sure you. I mean, you're old enough. That's not going to fade. Come on now. Um, but it is <laughs> It is really good to have you here. And I'm, I'm just thrilled uh, to have you as a colleague now. And thanks for your support of the show for a long time. I know that uh, I was very excited when they told me that you were a fan of the show. And um, I just, I think that it's great. And uh, your work has been top notch. And I, I look forward to seeing you flourish here with us. And it's been a real treat. And I can't wait to have you back on. Thank you so much, Chuck, and keep doing what you're doing. I Every time I speak to people, they say the Exam Room podcast is their favorite podcast. I know you're impacting so many people through these interviews that you're doing. 
So keep it up. And I hope I'll be back sometime soon to chat to you more. There is a link to each and every one of the studies that we talked about on the show today in the episode notes. So if you are into doing deep dives into research, hey, it's a one-stop shop. Go ahead and click on every last one of those things and give them a read. Now, we talked about obesity and genetics today with Doc Rocks. That's what I like to call Dr. Becker, Doc Rocks. And I was curious as to whether or not I had the obesity gene. So I got my test results back from 23andMe, the DNA analysis. And it said, quote, Chuck, your genes predispose you to weigh about 3% more than average. Just 3%. So I guess, I guess you could say I have that so-called obesity gene. But 3%, check this out. They say for someone my height, the average weight of a man is 164 pounds. I'm 5'5", not very tall. So 164 pounds. And if you add 3% on top of that, that would get me up to about 169 pounds. And truth be told, I weigh about 30 pounds less than that. So let's take another step on this. 3%. 3%. A 3% genetic bump also surely did not get me up to 420 pounds at my heaviest either. Not even close. Let's crunch these numbers. 420 pounds. This is fun. Stay with me. 420 pounds is 256% of 164 pounds. The average weight of the typical male, my height, 420 pounds. 256% of that. Now, if you take the 3% genetic difference off of that, that 3%, that means that 253% of my obesity stemmed from my food choices and my addiction to food and not the obesity gene. So that's like five pounds that can get chalked up to genetics and the other 250 or so were all on me. And that's why when you hear us say, genes are not your destiny, that is exactly what we are talking about. They play a factor, but it is far from the only factor. You have control. You can dictate your health to a much greater extent than you give yourself credit for. But that said, it's still fun to talk about this stuff. So... You're looking at the genetic weight risk here in 23andMe, and this is this is amazing. And in terms of obesity, here are the lifestyle factors that they broke it down into. In terms of avoiding fast food, based on my genetics, that would influence 16.5% of my risk of being obese. That's pretty big. Exercise, 15%. Limiting red meat in my diet, genetic risk there, 14.8%. If I ate more vegetables, 11.6% genetic influence there in terms of body weight. Sleeping a recommended amount, 11.4%. Eating leafy greens specifically, that would account for an 11% genetic difference in terms of weight. 
Eating fish, 10.4%, not gonna do that. Eating fruit, 8.3% difference in terms of my weight. Yogurt, 5.4%. They did not specify whether that is dairy or non-dairy yogurt. And managing stress, you can't forget that. We put a lot on diet here, but this definitely falls in the lifestyle bucket. 4.3% difference in terms of overall body weight. That's pretty interesting. I love the fact that avoiding fast food is the number one genetic difference maker in terms of my weight. I would assume that it is about the same for virtually all of us. You take those fat and calorie bombs off of your plate, automatically you're going to be in much greater shape. I took that off my plate, definitely not eating red meat any longer, get an abundance of fruits, vegetables, leafy greens, not doing fish, not doing yogurt, plant-based or otherwise. Yogurt's just not really on my menu these days. So you add all those things up and you're in really good shape. And that, my friend, is how I keep the weight off. Pretty simple. It's not genetics. It's you. You have the power. You have the same power that I do that anyone does. You can do this. If you are struggling, you absolutely can do this. So just remember that the next time you're feeling down about the number on the scale. And when you think that you could never do anything to get headed back in the right direction. Oh, yes, you can, my friend. Yes, you can. And maybe we're going to talk about that at the Power Foods Revolution, the big show coming up in Washington, D.C. on March 26th at the National Press Club. That's a big pick-me-up if you need some encouragement. Going to be celebrating the release of Dr. Barnard's new book, The Power Foods Diet. Big live recording of the podcast. And of course, exam room VIPs, my roomie VIPs. You guys have an exclusive pre-sale opportunity through January 18th to reserve your seats. Remember, when we were there last November with the Esselstons, we sold out. And we don't want anybody to be left out in the cold. So mark your calendar, save the date, and reserve your seats today. Pre-sale for exam room VIPs through January 18th. And you can become VIP for free at pcrm.org slash examroomvip. And if you're already VIP, love you for that. There's the link for you to reserve your tickets right now in the episode notes. And by the way, an autographed copy of Dr. Barnard's book is included with every ticket purchase. Plus, Chef Dustin Harder will be there, Stephanie Ignafo from Plantspiration, who's also featured in The Power Foods Diet. She's going to be there. So hope to see you there March 26th, that pre-sale for exam room VIPs now through January 18th. And man, what a great night that is going to be. And what a great show this was. Had a lot of fun chatting with Dr. Roxy Becker for the first time, hearing about the biggest nutrition studies of 2023. And for today, that is going to wrap things up. One more time, a huge thank you to Doc Rocks, Dr. Roxy Becker, for being here, raising our health IQs and making her exam room debut.
and for everyone at the Physicians Committee. I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always, keep it plant-based. <laughs> <laughs>